Hey everyone, it's Zubin Damanya, your host, Dr. Z, if you're nasty. Um, welcome to the show. Today's episode, oh man, oh man. Okay, listen, if you've suffered trauma in your life, if you are on an awakening journey and are wondering why it's so hard and why there's still so much fixation and so much struggle, if you're working in healthcare and you're wondering why your job is killing you every single day and you feel so miserable and you feel trapped, this is a podcast you should listen to the whole two hours. Um, Simon Brown, is <laughs> he is just a remarkable human from Manchester, England. Um, we're gonna talk about what he does in the podcast and he's not really known publicly. Um, he's somebody who emailed me after seeing some of my videos and just the email itself was dripping with unconditional acceptance, love, and a clear seeing of me, which it, it just, I don't know any other way to describe it. Um, he's just that clear and emotionally connected. And so we got on a call and had a series of calls. And after talking to him several times, having these long conversations, I felt like I was talking to a, a, a wiser version of me <laughs> who had a cool British accent. Um, I felt like I was being selfish not sharing him and what he's pointing at in terms of trauma, in terms of the deep emotional states that you accessed, you accessed during the awakening journey, in terms of the struggle of being human and the beauty of it. Because so many times in these sort of discussions around non-duality and spirituality and awakening and all that, it can be very dry, very clinical, very bypassy. Like, oh, you just, you know, you see truth, you realize there's no self and everything else is fine. That's not how it is. And Simon is the perfect expression of that as a sufferer of childhood trauma, someone who's worked through a lot of things, has been on the journey. What he shares is so powerful. Um, now he's not a clinician, he's not, this is not medical advice. And he points out in here several resources that can help you if you've suffered trauma and you're looking to dive into the body and unwind some of these energetic knots through a kind of loving conditional acceptance that is not easy. Um, and so we're gonna link in the show notes to all these things. There's no video for this episode, so it's podcast only because he's in Manchester and I just wanted to go deep in a very intentional way where you have to sit and listen in presence. You're not distracted by anything. So try to consume this in that sort of state, if you can, um, and then email me, hello at zdogmd.com with what you think. Because you know we don't get comments really easily on podcasts, and so emails are very helpful to hear how this landed for you and what you'd like to hear more of. And of course, if you subscribe and leave a review, it helps a lot. All right, guys, so without further ado, here's my conversation with Simon Brown. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's nice to hear from you, man. man. Yeah, you too. You know, uh, I've been, I've, I've thought about, well, what? What what can we talk about? And then I thought, yeah. no, 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 no. Yeah, yeah, There's yeah. nothing to think about. It's exactly yeah. what shows up. Well, yeah. maybe we can start there because um, isn't it interesting how that habit of the mind to seek safety in the future by planning and preparing to try and create something that has maybe like value or content or, you know, like getting a good podcast in the future as an example so me and you, we, we knew we had, we've got this chat scheduled and the mind just naturally wants to go through, right, okay, well, what can we talk about? 
how can we plan it? What would be a good question? What would be that, you know? And it's just a natural kind of safety mechanism of the thinking mind to want to try and provide the illusion of safety. As in like, oh, if I plan hard enough, if I get the right questions, if I think about it beforehand for long enough, then it's all going to go hunky-dory and I will be satisfied, I'll be happy. And it's all bullshit. <laughs> it's just like, yeah. None of it is true. It's, and it, it doesn't work. It just doesn't work. <laughs> it, yeah, it's it's absolutely it's illusion of control is what yeah. it is. The mind the mind the mind operates on a on a delusive belief that Definitely. it actually has control over reality, that it yeah. is separate from and therefore can push and pull on reality. So the planning to do X, and, and now this is to be distinguished from say, the natural and spontaneous use of mind where planning just occurs so that something then happens spontaneously. But this idea that it's based on the assumption that that will keep me safe yeah. or I will have control or I will not be helpless. And I have, a, I have a quick, actually a quick example of this. So when I, several years ago, I came up with this idea for this character, Doc Vader. Oh yeah, who I've, is seen, I've this, seen Vader. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. He's this burned out, you know, <laughs> angry dark side <laughs> physician. He's like everything that's been wrong in medicine, yeah. he kind of epitomizes and it just made sense. It's like, of course, he used to be a good guy and he's he was turned to the forces of evil because of everything in our system and <laughs> so on. So the the- <laughs> The first way we were going to introduce him to the world was <clears throat> I was just going to do a bunch of improv with him mm. and see kind of where it went. But we ended up getting approached by this medical company that makes like electronic health record speech recognition. I don't even remember what they did, but they were like, oh, we oh, we think this idea is great. We'll give you some money if you can do a, a, a trilogy series and script it out and plan it out. And the idea mm. is it's about communication and this and that. So I was like, oh, cool. We'll get funded to do this thing. And the mind goes into overdrive. So now it's it's trying to schematize. It's worried about offending the client. It has to come up with a, a story that makes sense. That and and so the comedy is reduced to you know by by fifty yeah. percent. And we put it out and it does fine. But then I'm like, you know, I'm giving up on this character. It's really not feeling the way I want. And then my partner said, you know what? Just let's take the original footage and dub over some of it with improv that you actually care oh, about. Oh yeah, because you're not seeing and the we did that. Move, are you? So you can kind of like. Uh, yeah, it's not as if you have to overdub it and it looks like a an old Chinese Kung Fu movie because you've got a mask on, so you're all right. <laughs> That's right. There's zero Kung Fu overdub effect. <laughs> and so and so what I would do is I would speak through a toilet paper roll, which would, mod, which would give that sort of modulated <laughs> voice, like, the yeah, circle yeah, is yeah. now complete, you yeah, know? Yeah, yeah. And I I redid a few segments using the footage we have and I, I put them out and they they were actually really funny. They hit a pain point, they went viral. And I was like, okay, so this is the difference between spontaneous use of mind as a, mm. as a sort of a tool, a wonderful device to make connections and tell stories and so on versus the planning and controlling and uh, strategizing mind, which mm, not so much from the standpoint of what I think is reality. Yeah. I mean, but it makes sense, doesn't it? Because we've been we've been told all our lives that actually there there is safety there. You know, that's because that's the game everybody's playing. That's the game the entire um mind identified world of concepts and quid pro quo results in the future. You know, the I'll do something and get something out of it. That that influences around us from birth. So 
Um, and I guess this kind of leads into what we've been talking about earlier, you know, specifically with regards to um, like deep emotional conditioning early in life. So even when, let's say you're on a path of awakening as an example, even when you see through the delusion of, of self, you could say, and you start to realize, oh, that entire game was just thoughts on thoughts on thoughts, just this reflective game. But actually, the uh, the conditioning, the biological, physiological, behavioral conditioning uh, just runs so much deeper than that. So you might be able to see through the delusion, let's say, but then you find yourself still engaged in this, these really quite painful habits of the mind and and they're shown to you very clearly as, as opposed to being lost in them and just being the guy that worries about the future. You're present watching yourself going through the motions and just feeling ow ow what ah and i can't stop oh this is is particularly difficult (laughs) yeah and it's it's such a challenge isn't it because certainly in my life you know i've been let's say maybe practicing and investigating mind or you would call it mind let's just say life you know for quite a long time and for a long time it felt like i'm gonna get out of this I'm going to, if I keep carrying on, I'm going to get the the goody of all goodies, which just stops me from ever having to feel any awkwardness or suffering or, I mean, to an extent that's true from the suffering point of view, but it's it's just so much different to what you think it's going to be. You think it's going to be like this crystal palace in the sky where no harm shall befall you. But actually, once all of the artifice falls away and you're able to just sit in presence uh, without delusion, you're then shown by life again and again, and this is how we suffer. You're like, oh, okay, ouch. (laughs) Oh, man. uh, Simon, like, this is why I love talking to you and I wanted Uh to do this because you Mm. so clearly and directly articulate this aspect of this uh, journeyless journey that mm. is is poorly spoken about is mm. not really articulated well often. And occasionally it's done. And, you know, Adyashanti is good at doing this it in the sort of yeah. post-awakening kind of thing. But this idea that it's almost like the movie, The Clockwork Orange, yeah. you're now strapped into a chair yeah. and your eyes are, yeah. are, are glued open and you're made to watch the the human life show you what it's showing you, which is like you said, how we suffer. And and you said something that I think is important, very important, which is it's not just this intellectual or even kind of beyond intellectual knowing realization of what reality is, that there really isn't a self here apart, that yeah. really everything is this unity. That's fine. But yeah. at the deeper emotional karmic conditioning level, yeah. we have from nearly birth, been conditioned by consensus reality in an energetic way at the emotional level, at the sub-emotional level to act in this way. And so like you said, even after the the delusion is seen through, you're still living these habit patterns and now you're forced to, to see it and go, oh, and it becomes so uncomfortable because there's a knowing like, oh God, why am I still, why am I doing this? I know this is wrong. And yet here I am. Why am I behaving in these conditioned patterns? Why am I treating others this way? Why do I think there are others? I know there aren't others, but wait, there are others. It's this paradoxical kind of thing. And, and I think the first thing to kind of recognize is that this is actually how it goes. 
Like you're not broken yeah, in some way to no, be this yeah, way. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, exactly. This is yeah. You're not broken. I mean, what what a beautiful message to hear, really, just on in life in general. Just someone to say you're not broken, because I needed that. Like I really needed someone to tell me for decades I'm not broken because it felt like I was, you know. And it's easy to say, well. You know, but what what about after awakening when you've seen through all this, you know, the fact that it is just a mechanism of mind creating distance and stories like, yeah, but the the feeling, the deep fundamental feeling, it's baked in. Well, this is maybe where we we move more into people that have had maybe an, an adverse kind of traumatic upbringing or like early examples of, of you know, trauma or maybe abuse or anything like that really but actually it doesn't really matter seeing through it it's you know that brokenness is baked into your cells often into just kind of like you said the energetics of being alive so just um kind of seeing through the illusion or even uh telling yourself oh i'm okay you know i'm not broken as an example well, actually, it helps a bit, but still, that feeling is a feeling of, I don't know what you'd call it. I mean, Angelo calls it dysphoria quite a bit, and I like that, but it's it's more than that. It's like this fundamental um, ickiness, maybe you could call wrongness. it. Wrongness. Yeah. Yeah. And, a and deep what, wrongness. Deep yeah. wrongness, yeah. And what it can result in, what it resulted in for me, and we kind of touched on this a little when we spoke uh, a couple of weeks ago, what it resulted in for me was a lifetime of trying to hide that, that feeling of shame and wrongness from myself, first of all, and from the world. So I looked mm. into the world and I saw people playing this game. I, I didn't know it was a game, but I saw people doing the person thing, you know, the relationship thing. I was like, how do you do that? I mean, that, I don't know how to do that. And I saw people look really good at it as well, you know, popular people or people that were witty, that were just quite um, amiable. I just didn't have that going on. So I had to try and try really hard to fit into that world. And it was really painful. I just remember years of, of being a, like maybe 10 years, 10, 11, 12 teenage years, trying so hard to try and hack this thing called i don't know society so i could find a place in it you know and what i found was being a smart ass really <laughs> that's kind of that was what I, that's what i landed on it it happened that you know through luck of having you know good education and reasonable like upbringing and, and a decent start in life i I'd, i was pretty smart you know um, I wasn't an achiever, but I was just smart, um, meaning I could be quick-minded. So then I used that to try and, uh, yeah, get a, a foot in the door, so to speak. So I'd use it to try and be funny, articulate, maybe provocative, you know, impress people with witty stories or just be a bit of a dick sometimes. But sometimes it's like the jester, the, it's like, oh, there's that, that crazy guy being a bit of a fool. But all that did, without me ever seeing it, 
was hide myself from me and hide me from everyone else. And and, mm. and I didn't see it happening. It took years to realize, oh, that's that's going on. What's underneath that? You know, what what is driving this almost like desperate show of me trying to be someone in the world and to get validation from other people so I don't feel so broken. Mm, mm. The, wow. What what you're pointing at, I, I see, and we were talking about this earlier, this resonates with me directly. This is exactly yeah. my story. And this idea of playing this uh, consensus reality game and trying to fit in and being the outsider and not, so using humor, using quick-wittedness, using pro provocation, so really being provocative, the, the sort of jester archetype of, hey, you know, I'll, I, I'll make you laugh, I'll make you angry, I'll make you feel something, but I'll be in control of it. And, yeah. it, you know, I won't feel this sense that you're going to look deeper at what how fundamentally useless broken uh, wrong i am there's something fundamentally wrong with me and um and that 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 sort of obfuscation is something that i think most humans do on some level in some way there's something deep inside that they just won't look at or they won't allow it's a kind of um a saying no to something that is actually <laughs> when it's actually fully allowed through all the pain and everything and resistance, when that relaxes, it's felt as liberation, it's felt as freedom, it's felt as truth. But to the conditioned mind that starts so young, the sense of brokenness, we can't, we won't allow and look there. And instead we start playing this game of hiding. And so for me, it was very similar, especially as a young kid, I would, jokes were the way to keep people at a distance and feel like validated. You know, you talked about validation. And then for me, even further, going to medical school and doing all of that was a way of showing I'm super clever. I can do all these things with minimal effort and and still make you laugh. Like that was the thing. So I'm, I'm, better, I'm better than the people who I saw, because you pointed this out, I saw is so fucking together. They were so together. They understood everything. They knew they were going to be a doctor since they were three. They could study and focus and still do all these things and all these clubs and go to Africa and help people and do all this other shit. And then there's me, broken, sad, scared, who's like, well, fuck all these people. I'm going to do it this way. And I'm going to, and, and, and it was all, it was all an act. It's all a show, yeah. you know? And, uh, and you feel it as a friction. You feel it as like, oh God, is I hope this is, you know, deep inside this house of cards is gonna fall apart at some point. That's the fear. I'd please someone don't look at what's really happening here. Yeah, yeah. Oh man, yeah, I'm so on board. Like I, I resonate so much with that. Um, uh, I'm having some uh, distortion issues. So maybe we can do a quick hang up and call back. seems like a decent place to maybe do that. How does that sound? Absolutely. Yeah, Let's do it. it. Yeah, like yeah. You, you sound like you're in the matrix, falling into the matrix at the moment. So, Hello. Okay. Oh, man, that's beautiful Hi. sound. How about mine, though? Yeah, perfect. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's yeah, nice. I think it's those earbuds. It's kind of like one of those late night conversation pillow talk, holding the, <laughs> holding the phone to the ear, you know, uh, the lover across, across the ocean. That's right. You know, that's so, right. Uh, it's been oh, nine Simon, long you know, I've been since we last spoke. I've <laughs> ever since <laughs> I crossed the the pond, <laughs> and I've pined for yeah, you, Simon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know what kind of accent that is. No, that's more like an Australian it's, it's, that escaped from a, a penal one. colony. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, 
I'm happy with this. <laughs> this is good for me. So, are, are you? Uh, uh, do you think your mic is picking up any of the sound from the phone, I or would, you think it's I good? I would doubt it. Well, you talk now. Okay. Okay. So uh, here I am talking to test uh, Simon's mic. Yeah, it's pretty you know? good. I don't think it will. I'm, I've got it perfect against my ear. So let me just. And by, by the way. If you think I'm deleting any of this from the interview, you're crazy. Ah, this is this hilarious. is all part of it. Yeah, yeah, beautiful. <laughs> okay, that's good. So what we, we've we've gone from uh, coping mechanisms as you... a child and trauma into pen pal pillow talk across the Atlantic. <laughs> so, yeah. which honestly is where I, I I was hoping it would go, yeah, but I mean, uh, it was always going to go that way. It was always going to go. It was. <laughs> it was. It was. So we're yeah, turning yeah. the wheel of Dharma kind of laterally yeah. at this point <laughs> <laughs> oh man i'm not even gonna go there i just had an image of like a dharma chakra like the dharma wheel but as a rotating bed um uh, oh wow you know, like, with like, a mirror on the yeah, ceiling yeah, yeah, exactly. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know actually that's a perfect segue yeah, yeah, yeah. we were just talking about how we would use humor and this yeah, kind of quick-wittedness to try and what's and interesting so is that doesn't mean that well. has to go away thing, it's so it? easy yeah once we, but know. it doesn't it, you don't have to jettison it. It is part of the personality. It can yeah, show up, yeah. but without all that identity validation seeking baggage. Yeah. And I think, yeah, well, yeah. this is where, I mean, it'd be good to maybe talk about, well, this, you know, what I was saying before this, um, well, what it was for me, and it sounds like it was similar for you, but is finding safety in the world by getting validation from others um in the mm. way that i spoke and acted and behaved uh, and it was never safety it was never safety but it's all i knew it was the coping mechanism i had um but i still feel like you know felt like shit basically um but it felt like well this is all i can do you know fast forward many many years and i'm in a very different place energetically and emotionally now you know like it's fair to say that you know an awakening process has happened and there's been a lot of investigating the the conditioning and uh the baggage you know why i've been uh operating like this in the world okay so that's kind of seen through really and often once you see through that conditioning the the conditioning dissolves as a like a mental reference point it's not there but the emotional conditioning that sits underneath it is often especially if it's based around uh pain and trauma like deep pain and trauma early in life it's just so stubborn and difficult to see and actually as we were talking previously really difficult to get at you know so we were chatting a little bit in the past about how inquiry you know methods of inquiry asking questions at the right time uh, as part of like a meditative practice can be really useful but when we're talking about the deepest safety mechanisms built into the body and the nervous system from almost from birth it can it just kind of laughs at inquiry it's like you know <laughs> inquiry is like oh is that a question okay whatever yeah <laughs> like I've, yeah. Dealt, I've dealt with more than a question thank you very much so yeah you, you then have to start well actually it seems that the only thing for me so you might hear a bit of squeaking because i'm opening a bottle um the only thing for me that really works is trusting life uh and immersing myself in life fully with an open heart and trusting that life will show me actually where i'm stuck 
it, you know, the conditions and circumstances of life of, as I engage in it and um, engage with others, that will now show me the areas where there's still pain and resistance and resi- like, like resilience and anger, hurt. And sure enough, it really does. Um, but it, it's, it's difficult because you then have to do the one thing that you've never been able to do, and that's trust. <laughs> you've got to trust. <laughs> yeah, you've got to trust something that is unknowable, unplannable for, completely mysterious, yet you know that that's where the freedom lies. So, yeah, it becomes a bit of a quandary, actually. It becomes like a, a balancing act almost sometimes. I, I Okay, everything that you're pointing at is so, – it's – it it's it's hardly spoken about mm. in this direct way and and this is i think this is why because there is a deep defense against this even in it's even in especially in spiritual circles because you know you wake up you see reality oh great okay now i can avoid i can use reality this understanding of reality to avoid this horrible traumatic pain that happened and and that's so complex that i you know i can inquire all i want like you said i can go oh what is it what is what is this no 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 this was repeated mm chronic, mm. complex, interwoven, interdependent with everything, with, you know, with its sexual trauma, with this and that and shame and every relationship you've ever had and your mother and your father and your uncle and this. And here we are saying, oh, well, you can just, you know, sit in the absolute reality, which is no person, no self, and uh, just, you don't have to deal with that. No, because what is creating a sense of self apart in that setting is the residual energetic fear uh, putting that at a distance putting that you know uh, perceived trauma at a distance and not allowing and what you said about trust is and i can see in the comment section of videos when i talk about this stuff at all people will say well how can you trust when there's so much wrong in the world how can you trust when there's sexual abuse physical abuse you can hear their mind saying i don't trust i can't trust i'm afraid to trust but what you're trusting is not a person it's not a thing it's not a concept it is life itself like jurassic park life will find a way to show you exactly what you need to see Uh, Uh, and it is a kind of Involuntary surrender Sorry, that happens. To, yeah, to step in there. Sorry about that. Yeah, I mean, I know. Yeah, you, you're so right, Zubin. And and I think what I found in my life actually, and this was one of the most difficult aspects of it of of let's say having awakening experiences, and then the emotion body coming online, and then being revealed actually this is really complicated and really deep and very very painful. And like you said, it's complex built over decades and it's baked into the nervous system and Mm. what it requires in order to meet it is a a gentleness and a vulnerability however the last time i was this vulnerable was when i was hurt the most in my life and that is so hard to navigate so and i can feel it in me often it's like go to that place where you are the most allowing, most available, most vulnerable, most loving, most trusting. That's where the healing lies. Is like, yeah, and that's where I was fucking hurt again and again. Mm. And it's like, well, okay, well, how how can you, yeah, manage that and navigate that? And actually, I think one of the important things to for me to realize was not alone, don't do it alone, <laughs> basically. Mm. You know, like mm. most of the uh, 
let's say the non-dual awakening circles, uh, especially nowadays when you've got so much resource on the internet, it's like this solo path of mm. watching videos and trying to wake up and dealing with stuff. And that can work. You know, it's hard, but it can work. If you're talking about bumping into complex emotional conditioning from trauma and abuse, get help. Get help from people mm. with experience of being trauma sensitive and have worked with others um, that have, have had these issues and helped them to heal. You know, a video online by a guy who had an awakening sometime in the past is not appropriate for meeting mm. the deep nervous system conditioning of trauma. It can be appropriate, mm. and it is appropriate for helping you to, you know, see through some delusions of the mind. That's beautiful, yeah. But when you start running into this stuff, reach out and try and build a support network of loving, caring, trusted people around you, family, friends. You know, I would say Sangha, I'd use the term Sangha, but Sangha just means like a spiritual community if it can be trusted, you know, and you know that you've got people that you can share openly without judgment. But yeah, like mm -hmm. sp like spread those tendrils into the world. I know it's hard because there's a lack of trust, but doing it alone, it it's just overwhelming. It's just so overwhelming, you know, so get help it, where you need it. it. You know, this is such an important message. It's funny, even as you talk about it, I feel it in the body. I feel it right in the chest, this kind of a warm energy that that is the sense of safety and comfort that comes from trusting not just this, but someone else with this to help. And whether, you know, like for me recently, it's been more and more, it's been my wife who mm. is on this kind of un unfolding too. And it's really radical what'll happen is we'll, because, okay, we we both trained in medicine together. We were both at Stanford as internal medicine. We, we went through this traumatic grinding mill and she <laughs> dealt with it through just feeling in deeply depressed, shame, all this other stuff, and then switching to a specialty where she felt more in control, radiology. For me, I dealt with it through exactly the mechanism we talked about. I was always in control through humor, through making jokes, through obfuscation, through relational antics. And, um, and it worked to keep that pain apparently at bay. So for years, we, we lived our lives. Now what happens is we'll sit down across from each other, just, you know, I'll be sitting in my chair and she'll be sitting in hers and she'll say, you know, when I was in training, this thing happened to me and this happened to this patient and this happened to me. And it was one of the most horrifying things and I've never told anybody about it. And it feels like, you know, like I was dying and, you know, and so she'll tell me that and then I'll tell her things that arise. And you you feel held in a safe place to at least start to process some of the superficial aspects of this. And then you're feeling in the emotion body and you're going, oh my God, that feeling in the pit of the stomach that I never, I was like, why is that there? And I try to avoid it by jumping into going and eating a meal or going out to eat or watching a movie. That's this, that's this trying to be felt, trying to be heard and I've been avoiding it. And then you have the space for it and you never know what'll, what'll arise, but you trust it. Yeah. yeah, and that vulnerability, yeah, like, oh, I was hurt when I was vulnerable. If I made myself vulnerable during residency training, I would have died. Yeah. That's how it feels. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, exactly. And I mean, it's just uh, a path of kind of like gentleness and uh, tenderness 
is kind of important as well. A bit like you're describing, being able to have that tender seeing um, with your partner and open, honest communication with the people closest to you can go a long way, especially if there's shame. Well, there's always shame. I mean, there's like if, if, always. If, if there's trauma, there's shame. There, there, there just is. Yeah. And yeah. It's, it's so difficult to be with that shame because it, it hides you away. It makes you want to withdraw from the world and especially from the people that you love the most. Um, but actually what happens over time, and I've had it in my relationship, uh, my current relationship as well, is that, you know, um, we're really open and connected and we communicate beautifully. But in those moments, maybe weeks or months where it's particularly difficult to manage and I've got this re-triggering of old traumatic stuff coming up, I feel myself, maybe not apparently right away, but just naturally the, uh, yeah, my energy withdraws. It pulls away from life. And that yes. means I communicate less and I pull away from yes. my partner. And yes. it can never be a good thing that, because um, it will yes. only create distance. But that's, again, that's just that natural reflex of wanting safety. Actually, in the past, I withdrew, I created, well, for me, it was an inner world, and I got into some nerdy shit, and that was like, yep. that was the stuff that- Sounds familiar. Yeah, and that was the stuff that, that was like kind of a, a refuge for me. But when in relationship yeah. with somebody else, especially if you're living with them, you know, they see you moment by moment every day. So having the- safe space to communicate even if it's just to say listen this is very difficult for me right now i'm feeling a lot of sadness and pain i don't need anything from you but i need you to know that this is going on and just mm -hmm. that if you can get that in a relationship mm -hmm. it can provide such a a warm uh context in which to explore um that part of you that that's beautifully expressed simon because and the thing is there's a piece of that that i want to double back on that i think many people who are listening will resonate with which is you were able to recognize this pulling back this withdrawing the the triggering even after the fact okay forget at the time let's say it's totally unconscious and you pull back and you become less communicative and so on and you you notice that shame is a common like you said it's common to all of this there can be a shame that arises that, oh, I'm the one who's working on this and I still can't do it. Your I still man, can't communicate. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Like what is wrong with me? I've been, and especially yeah. like if you've been on a spiritual path <clears throat> for a long time, you know, uh, and even if it's not even for a long time, but you know, let's say you've had considerable insights and you've been resting as awareness and, you know, you've seen through all, all these delusions and yet you're still just being triggered, triggered, triggered on a fundamental emotional level. And you just think, what's wrong with me? What's wrong with me? What's and it's wrong? just natural that that narrative will come out because actually that's the same narrative that existed right at the beginning. There's something wrong with you. <laughs> There's something right. wrong with you. And often, well, f for me, I'm not going to go too much into the specifics of you know what happened in my early life because it's not necessarily helpful but for me it was a case of well actually all i wanted was love and the person who uh whose role it was to to give me that love 
punish me. Mm. So actually, there was something wrong with me because I hadn't mm. done anything. All I'd done was been born and been alive, really, and made some mistakes as a kid. Not even mistakes, either, just being a kid. But as part and parcel mm. of that, when I was the most vulnerable, the most loving, the most available, um, it was there was a double-edged sword. There was love and there was pain. So, yeah, there's, obviously there's something wrong with me. And what that does Broken. and what it did for me as well, it set up an archetype of relationships which lasted throughout my adult life until very recently, especially re emotional mm. relationships, but friendships as well. As in, like, I didn't think I deserved love. Not unconditional love, not true love without a caveat. The love that I thought I deserved had to hurt a bit. It had to hurt a bit mm. or else it wasn't love because mm. my archetype of love was the, the love that I got from my caregiver, which was painful. So that's, you know, what sweeter love is there than a mother's love, for instance. You know, that's, that's what we, we feel, isn't it? They're, they're the people that kept us alive. So then found myself looking for that subconsciously, you know, without knowing, but repeating this insecure attachment pattern looking for um what i thought was a loving relationship but in fact it was just repetition of this old archetype of relationship which was a little bit of love quite a lot of pain a little bit of love quite a lot of pain and never being able to trust it mm. And you know, Simon, like how, so this is all innocent. This is all innocent. Of course, of course, that child would condition that way in that setting. And of course, the adult would find a repetition in, uh, of seeking those types of relationships unconsciously or even consciously. It doesn't matter. It's all innocent. It's all part of the, the unfolding. But where, and this is where, okay, so in that setting, how on earth can you expect to watch, sit around watching people's awakening stories and them talking about shadow work? You need to do some shadow work. Yeah. You just need to yeah. allow every emotion and just sit with it. That's it. That's all. And everything will be fine. And here you are operating from an operating system of fundamental brokenness that was energetic. It's energetically conditioned. You don't think your way out of it. And, and you know, earlier you were talking about this relational matrix with other people. We see other people and we think this and that, and they feed back this way. And in a way, I've said this before, like hell is other people. There's this idea that <laughs> this idea that there are others that matter in some way that generate my identity and that and I'm always in relationship with and it and my value is in relation to. And so a lot of times, even currently when I'm sitting with this stuff, I will feel arise this tendency to want to seek a validation or seek a retribution or seek a some relation with another. And it's in, it's entirely in between the ears. It's entirely created, but it's based on a deep energetic sense that 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 you're pointing at. Well, I don't mm -hmm. think it is entirely in between the ears. I don't think it is. I think that's where it, mm. that's where let's say the awareness of it comes about. But it's bubbling up from a nervous system that's been like conditioned to seek safety, and mm. that's the only safety that was available. That was it. That was mm. the only safety that was available. Now, it wasn't safety. It wasn't true safety. But actually, it, it did, didn't it? It got us through, let's say.
yeah. at the time. And it, did. it worked. Uh, yeah, it, it did work to some extent, you know. Um, so actually, I, again, I don't think it's it's even fair to say when people are feeling these urges and pulls towards validation, either pre or, or post-awakening, to say, oh, it's just mind-created. It's like, okay, well, everything, everything really is mind-created. Every single thing, every single phenomena ultimately is mind-created. But it doesn't change the fact that actually it's a deep, deep urge that's coming from a place that's been really damaged. Um, and subconscious, yeah, exactly. sub out of the conscious mind. Yeah, exactly. You energetic. You can't see it. Yeah. And I, I, it's really interesting. Yeah. It kind of leads into, I mean, it'd be good to maybe share a little bit about my week, for instance. Yes. Um, only because obviously I knew we had this talk coming up and uh, I was really looking forward to chatting to you. Um, and I thought, yeah, it'll be great. It'll be, I'll be really vibrant and inspired and really full of energy for it. My nervous system had a completely different idea for this week. So this week has been challenging. It's been challenging. And actually, um, it's really interesting when you know, I have friends and they ask quite naturally, how are you? You know, like, how are things? And they really want to know the depth of it. And my answer is so, well, it's not complex, but it sounds paradoxical in that I am the best I've ever been in my entire life. That's a fact. And mm. I'm, I'm feeling so much pain, uh, emotional and physical pain that it's difficult to bear. Mm. And that might, to some people that might say, sound ridiculous. And I'm also not saying that's what's in, in store for you if you wake up. That's not the case. What I'm saying is that if you've been uh, lived a life where you've been conditioned by trauma, you're going to be working with pain and it's worth it. It is worth it. You know, the, the my connection to life and love and everybody and everything, it's so vibrant and so full. And it's really quite challenging sometimes, you know. Mm -hmm. um, and one of the things that has triggered it was actually having a presence on YouTube, believe it or not. So I've been mm. I've been working with this aspect of me for quite some time, you know, this wanting to show up in the world to get validation because I knew it was fundamental, mm. it was core, you know. I've I've looked at it through therapy, I've looked at it through somatic experiencing, meditation, deep, you know, presence, all of these things. And maybe 6 months ago I could have said that's been seen through as in completely, completely seen through. And from a, an insight point of view, I think that's true. I think it has been seen through. I, I can see it. I know what's going on. But like we said before, insight and inquiries don't really touch the energetics of a nervous system. So then hmm. life showed me, you know, I so I've been creating some content a little bit like this, you know, and putting it out into the world on the internet. Um just because it felt like a really nice thing to share, I thought it'd be really nice if it could touch or move even one person uh, and make them feel a bit more connected and a bit more open, then that's worthwhile. But wow, that conditioning of uh, like needing validation in order to provide safety, the, uh, like the alluring aspect of getting a view, getting two views, getting a like, getting a few likes, 
you know, it, it would have been easy for me to say, well, yeah, of course I'm on top of that, no problem. But actually, I found it really, really challenging on an emotional and nervous level because even though the mind knows what's going on, it's just been prodding all of the deep, deep, deep conditioning that was based around, yeah, fear and suffering and pain, you know. So it's been particularly challenging. Um, I mean, worthwhile, but it's just another example, I guess, of actually this isn't the work that I couldn't do. This is life showing me. It's life uh, by me fully engaging with it, saying, and here, look here as well. It's like, oh, yeah, okay, <laughs> that's still there. <laughs> Let's keep looking there. So it's been quite oh, a fascinating man. week, really. <laughs> hey, sorry to interrupt this episode. It's Dr. Z. Just a quick pitch here. If you can just leave a review and subscribe on your favorite podcast platform, it helps us a lot. I also want to hear what you think about this episode when you're done listening. Hello at ZDogMD.com. It's the best way for me to hear your voice because the emails come right to me. And we don't have a comment section on most podcast platforms. Maybe Spotify has one, but nobody else does. So it really gets your voice involved on episodes, especially that don't have a video. And the third thing is if you want to be a part of this community and support the show, join our supporter tribe, zdogmd.com forward slash supporters. You can join on YouTube, Locals, Facebook, Instagram. You get live videos with me where we're talking about these things in depth, uncensored, and your comments are fully incorporated as in real time. And then we do these Zoom meetings where it's really like a beautiful community where we share our experiences on the awakening journeyless journey. How are we going to transform ourselves so we can transform healthcare and education and government? Because those systems are epiphenomena of us. Until we wake up, those systems will stay asleep. They'll, they're just an expression of our own delusion. So being a part of that, it supports this message so others can hear it. And it also allows for our own collective growth. So we need each other in that way. It's really, really, really tightly interwoven and interdependent. That's it. Back to your regular schedule, regularly scheduled show. Oh man, Simon, I feel so much what you're saying. Oh, and and I have to say uh directly to you, I you know, I'm sorry that you're um you're feeling all of that in the sense that it is so hard, but I'm also so grateful that you, that you're doing it, that that it's happening, that life is showing you that and that you're sharing it with us because I tell you with me that what you're saying directly resonates. This seeking of validation is not, it's seen through by the mind. In fact, this makes it worse energetically <laughs> for me, <laughs> right? Because yeah. it's so clear, okay, Zubin, you don't need anyone to think you're smart or funny or influential or any of that shit in order to be okay, because you don't really exist in that way. You're, ever, you know, you, you, you're this. And and you're, you make videos or don't, it doesn't matter. Stop doing it. Stop talking about things you don't, or you're not interested in, whatever, great. On an energetic level, it feels like you're being ripped apart, like torn to shreds, like you're you're left out on the street without it, without any shelter. And when I see somebody on YouTube who's doing really well, and I'm just like, YouTube is serving me videos and I'm watching for entertainment, uh, there's a feeling like someone stabbed me. Like uh, it's a physical assault and, and I know it and I see it and I go, God, there's my, you know, envy of somebody, because again, it goes back to the childhood energetic. Everybody else has got their shit together. 
what's wrong with me? I've been doing this since 2010. I ought to just be able to get make a video and everybody watches it. Why? What? What? This is nonsense. And yet, energetically, that's exactly what the energy is telling you. It's like, and so then consciously or subconsciously, you're in the studio changing your camera angles, thinking about different ways to, to make videos. And it's, 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 it's a torture chamber. It's like, a, it's like being waterboarded. So it's, um, it's like, and I yeah. guess, well, it points really, and this is what's kind of beautiful in it, uh, about feeling this. And one of the reasons I wanted to bring it up, you know, cause I know, we spoke about it previously because obviously you're in a situation whereby actually you've got some clout really i don't mean clout as any authority but you've got some sway you've got people listening to you watching you you've got a lot of subscribers you get a viewership you know and it and that is naturally intoxicating for the one you know the scared one that needs validation it, it, of course it is mm. but it's built mm. around the core delusions that bind us to suffering. And that delusion is that this is going to be satisfying ultimately. And that's one of the, yes. you know, one of the three marks, isn't it, in Buddhism. So you've got uh, ultimate satisfaction or satisfactoriness, permanence, and substantiality or self, essentially. Soul, yeah, self, exactly. yes. Or that there's something substantial in the world like viewers or a viewership that will that is permanent that's going to hang around and it's going to satisfy me and it will never yeah. ever ever do that ever it is it's not of the nature to do that all that it is because it's conditioned is of the nature to arise and cease that's it that's what conditions do they arise and they cease often without anything to do with us really like they're just yeah just this conditional flux you know you could call it a dance if you want to be poetic um but yeah this this conditional uh flux of arising and ceasing of interrelated conditions but what it will never provide is safety permanence satisfaction so in order to and oh sorry go ahead yeah yeah oh go no go ahead go ahead go ahead i was go gonna ahead. say well actually um, in order to be free, in order to be truly free, let's say, of suffering, you know, as the Buddha talked about, let's say, what well, is actually to be, to see through that delusion fully with every cell of your being so that you know on the deepest fundamental level in every cell of your body uh, that this is not permanent, this is not substantial, it will never satisfy. And that's difficult, isn't it? That's really, really challenging to, to work with, <laughs> especially for someone who's right in the mix of it. You know, like you, you've got this, <sighs> this thing that you've got, it's got, it's got momentum. It's a bit of a behemoth, really. Like, yeah, so you're kind of trying to manage all that and see through all of this delusion whilst being in the midst of this uh conditional thing yeah it's quite a challenge <laughs> you 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 articulated that really really well it's it's and you cuz you're going through it at the entry level here the youtube thing it it's um it it, it it's a super normal human 
stimulus. So it's actually almost like, I, I use the analogy of pornography, like pornography is a super normal sexual stimulus. So once you get that, those hits, the normal thing is, is, is trickier because you're, you're imagining things that are now with YouTube and over 10, 12 years of doing this, it's like that becomes so super normal that it, it, like you said, it's never enough. It's like a drug. It's never enough. The validation, the validation. And it's really about validation. Honestly, it's always, for me, it's always about validation. So, you know, am I good enough? Do people- Is true though, Zubin? Is that entirely true? Because I know that there's, there's, that's the background. I know that's the background, but I've seen your content and I've seen real vulnerability. I've seen real, real vulnerability. So, uh, I, so well, I get, yeah, okay. I, I, sh yeah, I should yeah, clarify. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I should clarify. I should clarify. When it's dysfunctional for me, uh, yeah. it's about yeah, validation. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 When it's not, when, and, and it, because it's not consistently, and it used to be pure, purely dysfunctional um, in the early days when it was a character that I was using, the Z Dog MD was a character, it was a nom de plume. It was putting a distance between the real self here, whatever this is, that I didn't want people to see, and a character that I thought would get validation. So, but then as time progressed, it started becoming more and more me. And so what happens then is a, a double-edged sword. For one thing, you can have these these episodes, and that's why I like live, because live mm. often shows up like that. It's like, oh my God, I'm just, this is just a hole in reality and what's coming out isn't me, but it's me. <laughs> and and it's, it's, it's absolutely paradoxical. Uh, but then afterwards, what'll happen is the mind will oh. arise and will say, and the energetics will arise and say, I can't believe you said those things on that live video. People are gonna think you're stupid. You said incorrect things, you're wrong. They're gonna think you're some kind of new age douchebag and all this stuff. And so the mix of open, authentic, pure vulnerability, and then deep, painful shame and regret afterwards uh, <laughs> is the is the kind of stew. So because the, the validation arises after the fact, I didn't get the validation that I want. And yeah. imagine, and this has occurred to me as well, it's something that I've been feeling because actually, and I know you're doing the same thing, is actually now, you know, on your channel, and I know what I'm trying to put out into the world. I am trying really to just let an authentic aspect of my life be seen. And what's more validating than that? That's like the ultimate validation. <laughs> it's like, oh, no, no, I've dropped all the pretense. This is just raw Simon showing you what I truly believe. And do you like it? Do you like it? Tell me. <laughs> Tell me that you like it. It's like, holy shit, this is a trap, you know, like, and, mm. and yeah, I'm sure you can feel into that as well. Cause like you're doing your Sunday's ends and you're talking about working with trauma and conditioning, which is all really, really true. And it's the most vulnerable part of you that wants to be held, that wants to be uh, looked after the most is coming out a little bit. And then you're getting people say, mm. I agree with you. I like that part mm. of you. You go, nom, 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 nom. Yes, please. Thank you very much. <laughs> it's just, it's so tricky. Like it's such a delicate, subtle thing to work with. Be, be so beautifully. Oh my God. You know, I, I love talking to you, Simon, <laughs> because you seem to articulate these inner states 
that I experience, it is exactly like that. And yet, and yet, so then people will say, well, okay, are we hopeless? This, you know, something like a YouTube or whatever is a super normal stimulus. There's no hope if like Zubin and Simon are having trouble with this and they seem like they've put in a lot of work. What the fuck am I gonna do? Here's the, here's the truth though. Like there is nothing. So there's an emptying out and a indescribability about doing these kind of videos in the in that moment you're doing them it it's almost like the most vulnerable part of you is right yeah. there and it's it's emptying out and what's coming out is pure authentic stuff so in that expression is the truth of being in that moment and then what we have to do, I think, if it, anyone does it, is we look and go, okay, so now I'm having all the usual energetic conditioning arise after the fact that says, you're shameful, you're, you're broken, people are not gonna like that, you shouldn't have done it. And then I'll make resolutions to myself, Simon. I will never do another video again. I will never do another talk again. I'm tired of talking about this stuff. All this stuff. And then yet, the next time I'm still, there's, a, there's almost a, it's beyond me, a compulsion to turn on the camera and just start talking. And uh, yeah, yeah, but yeah. You can yeah. see though, isn't it? So like, and this is the this is the delusion that we talked that I spoke about before is that um, when you're in when you're in that state, and life is communicating itself as you or as me into the mm. world, you know, and is authentic and it's connected, and it's more than anything you could ever plan. You know, it's just this beautiful. I say beautiful, mm -hmm. people might not find it beautiful, but the process is a beautiful, natural outflowing. It's knowing that it's only that. That's all it is. It's ultimately not satisfying because it came and it went. It can never satisfy. But mm -hmm. it can be a dance. It can be a joyous uh, song of life. It can be the empty nature within us Um interacting with the world just as pure expression without any need for validation without any need for anything because actually what 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 thing does emptiness need you know what what thing what <laughs> thing could emptiness possibly need it's the um the ground from which all things arise so it's like well i've got all things covered so i don't need anything but i can dance I can play, we yeah. can sing, yeah. we can express, we and yeah. we can connect from this place of emptiness as like a almost like a joyous dancing gift. Maybe that's at you know that's at its best. Let's say that's if it's really at its best. But like we mentioned before, the conditioning runs really deep. So um, it's noticing where, like you said, we attach after the fact and working with that aspect of it because in the moment when it's coming out yeah it's very much that isn't it like this uh joyous expression mm. but then after the fact pure creativity yeah, exactly. pure creativity and it's, yeah and it's a beautiful it's a beautiful thing you know but then it's like after the fact is it possible in any way to just let that go completely as in mm. not even look at the comments could you imagine that that's could right you imagine that's that? right even look can you imagine that comment. So I had this inquiry <sighs> that I worked with quite a while for me from being the smart guy, the smart Alec, you know. And then when I started to see into that conditioning, and I thought I'd share it with you because it might resonate. 
But couldn't mm. you imagine, Zubin, never being right ever again? <laughs> <laughs> can you, can you oh. feel that? <laughs> Mm, yeah. mm. you know what it feels like you know what it feels like it feels like death yeah, yeah, yeah. like the end of yeah. the end of me yeah and mm-hmm. yeah if we're on this path mm-hmm. of a, like this path of realization let's say that's where we're going that's where we're heading mm. we're, no stone is left unturned all of that conditioning is seen and worked through and unbound from so actually those things <clears throat> excuse me the ones where we're conditioned really deeply that's where you know the real fruit lies not the fruit is in you get anything but the fruit of liberation lies there but actually it's also the hardest place to look yeah that's it that's it that you know the cave you fear to enter holds the treasure oh, you yeah. seek it it is always this and and that's i think the theme of this whole conversation actually is we're we're telling you how hard it is we're mm. telling you how deep this conditioning runs we're mm. talking about things like trauma and physical and sexual abuse mm. and the lack of love and the the misperception and distortion of the idea of human love and so on and these deep archetypal pains that humans have encountered for thousands if mm. not millions of years hundreds of thousands of years and we're also saying that that's where the energetic knots are that will be seen again, will unravel when this journey under, undertakes. And, 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 and even this idea of like the YouTube thing we're talking about, there's a knowing like, oh my God, like I can't even believe that I'm seeking validation oh. from this. It's huh. so, it's like, it's like an inception. Like it's a, it's a dream within a dream within a dream. It's like, oh God, okay, okay. There's the unconscious. Now I see I'm doing it. Now I should be better than that. And then this and this, and even that is the grace because now you're drawn into this pain. Like, why am I feeling this pain? And I'll sit in, in my meditation chair and I'll just feel heartache. Like, where is this coming from? And then you, and then an image will arise from childhood, some snapshot of something, some glimpse of where a kid said something and you you were devastated. Like your whole sense of self did, you know, was attacked. Your self-image was attacked. You go, oh God, you know, there's some root. It's even just a, sh- a shred of the complex web that generated this, but man, there it is. And it's, and the conscience has come back for it to, to feel it. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because there's a knowing that there's freedom there. Like, Mm. it's not a knowing of the thinking. A trust, a basic trust. Yeah, a fundamental knowing that actually there is, there is freedom there. You know, what if, let's say if you're on a, a path of self-discovery, you could call it that, you know, if you just want to boil it down to just really get into the nuts and bolts of what is this life about? Well, actually you kind of really want to know, don't you? You really, so whatever's there, you really Mm. want to know what's going on. So, that curiosity is will often know oh actually yeah i know there's somewhere left to go i mean it's so good talking to you zubin because there's so i can feel like this creativity and you know these different avenues opening and i think one thing that i'd mentioned though is because we were talking about yeah you know this pain and this trauma let's say in and there are a lot of people that haven't got that condition and it's so blessed that that's the case. But for those mm. that have, um, there are, it's not only is the, the spiritual path, you know, the spiritual awakening path to move down. There's just a lot of tools available for you. There's a lot of people that are really, really switched on 
very loving in their expression, that are sharing practical information um, and practical ways to work with it. You know, working with the body in a somatic experience in way, for instance, you know, or exploring the inner child, for instance, uh, and where the shame lives. But there is a lot of stuff out there that you can explore that, that, that can give support. But it kind of taps into where I mentioned um, like having a support network because nowadays that's the one thing that modern society is missing is a real deep connected community. You know, mm. they, and it's part of our heritage. It's part of our birthright, really. That's what led to us being so successful is having deeply interwoven loving connected societies small societies or let's say communities that would look out for each other you know that any harm that befell one befell all of the family system so when somebody experienced trauma as in like real serious trauma like a lion attacking them for instance that's kind of what we're talking mm -hmm. about the entire family and community would uh, move around the injured person or traumatized person and flood them with love, support, and connection. So they there wouldn't be any space for them to doubt that they were interconnected and loved. They mm. would feel connection and love day by day by day in their community. And that's just like I mean, you can you can feel how that's just naturally beautiful and just a tonic isn't it? it's just an easy natural tonic to isolation loneliness uh feeling like disconnected just that this communities around you all working for it, each other uh to share love and connection and we don't get that now we don't we don't get that now because we live in these isolated individualized lives and I, actually i think the youtube thing and social media it's like the almost like the the cry for help of wanting that back mm. it's like oh no we know that there's no connection but i want it well, where can i find it well i can't find it person to person anymore because everyone's so scared of making contact and cities are just so wild and dangerous you know uh, to just go up to someone and start chatting <laughs> so but it seeps out into social media and into youtube and into the chat section or into spiritual communities but it's a real knowing, I think, of the human that suffers that we're not designed to live this alone. You know, I say designed, you know, but part of our uh, evolved, wiring. Yeah, evolved wiring is to mm -hmm. work together, to help each other, to survive and to love and to connect. Um, and yeah, I think the absence of that is, well, it's where we can start doing some work isn't it just individually you can ah. think well actually how can i be more connected to others in life to provide support for for me and so that i'm able to share what i've got and to provide support for others I, I, you know, social media as a cry for help for the human species that's looking for connection is, is such a beautiful and tragic image. And I think it's so, it's, yeah. it's so on point. It, it really is because we, we did evolve as tribal creatures. We did evolve connected. And you look at the differences, say, between 
ancient Eastern approaches and modern Western and enli- post enlightenment approaches. Uh, it, it's a, it's one of individualism and disconnection and increasing moving into the suburbs and staying away from people. And then social media is more creating walls in a way um, of, of echo chambers. Like, okay, these are the people that I like, everybody else's enemy. And then you get all the division and everything that's happening. And, 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 and the, the truth is, in a way, spirituality, <laughs> in the West anyways, it is starting to reflect this Western delusion of the individual. So you do this alone. You watch some YouTube videos, you go on social media, you do this alone. So you're not you're not in the body. You're not letting someone touch your body in terms of doing body work, somatic work. You're not touching your own body because you're disconnected from it. And you're afraid to get help because there's underlying energetic shame, which you don't know what that is, but you just think, you know what, I, I'm supposed to do this myself. And then you watch someone on YouTube talk about shadow work and and you're like, oh, I can do that. I can click that box. Uh, you know, I feel angry. I'm going to sit with anger. Okay, but but it's not it's not that. I, and I love how you talked about trauma. Like trauma in the old days was you know a lion or something happening or you get stabbed in combat. The whole family structure, the whole community is there supporting you. And in a way, that's life supporting you. Exactly. Now we're told, yeah, trust life, trust this. Well, but but there's nothing tangible there because every yeah. perceived other out there is is against you or is in relation to you in some way and needs you need validation from it's so so different um isn't it it's tricky because you can think i I certainly my you know in my heart i can feel that uh, that longing that urge for connection and community you know and i've I've been lucky Mm. that i've been able to find some you know um kind of in spiritual community and family and friends and it took a lot of honesty and a lot of risk taking actually on my part to just say, oh, I'm just gonna go against that con- conditioning and start making friends. I remember I was chatting to someone uh, in, a, in a community that you know I'm part of recently. I said, it's not that long ago. I can remember thinking, I'm never gonna make any more friends ever again. That's it. I'm done. I've got, I've mm. got all my friends now. I've got a circle of five friends, 10 friends, and that's it. It's like, and mm. looking back now, it's like, wow, that's kind of that's kind of wild, just shutting off from the world mm. and saying, right, well, I've got these friends. We don't really talk about anything deep, but we can go out, we can have a pint, you know, we can kind of skirt around a subject, we can pat each other on the back if we're feeling a bit down, and that's it. Mm. And I'm just, I'm, I'm very lucky that, Conditions have fallen into place for me that I'm able to have a bit of connection now. Um, but yeah, it's it's an ongoing thing because I have to invest as well. It's not I can't just be part of a community and then just expect. Oh yeah, okay, give me all the attention that I need and all the support that I need. Actually, mm. I need to be there for them as well. You know, it's it's all um, yeah, being connected and not separated and being vulnerable together. Yeah, and the and these are the these are the aspects of manifestation. These are the aspects of living in form, living in a human existence. You you don't bypass it with spirituality. You actually fully inhabit it. You know, for me, it's funny. The social media has been such a double edged sword. The the positive side of this has been this um, supporter community that I have, which is the people who actually subscribe. They like pay a small fee every month, and they we do live. Um, conversations by video, you know, a couple, two, three times a week, we do Zoom sessions. That group of humans, 
I've gotten to know a lot of them virtually and in person from retreats and things like that. And it it's like a sangha. It's a support community. We we use each other for therapy. Um, they you know write in the comments when we're when we're streaming, or they will email me, or they'll come on a Zoom and they'll say what their experience is. And the amount of support from that community for each other, it's unconditional. It's non judgmental, and it's um it's beautiful. And it's using technology to kind of leverage over geography. So it is surprising, like in the dark places on the internet, you can yeah. find all this brightness, yeah. all this connection. And I think that's just because yeah. the natural urges there. People want to be together. Yeah. They just do. They know because yeah. that's, that's life. That is life. That's what it's all about. And I really liked what you talk about. That's part of the human manifestation. Um, so you might hear a cat. Oh no! Sorry, my cat has just jumped onto my knee. <laughs> she's beautiful, but she's now trying. That's gorgeous. She's now trying to like headbutt the boom, and it's going to make some kind of. Oh, let it happen. Yeah, she's pretty cute. Oh she's, yeah, that's great. People now that yeah, everyone knows what it she, is, it's she's even old. better. She's like uh, <laughs> twenty-one years old. So wow, and she's still like. I mean, I've learned a lot from watching this cat grow old. Like. Just know none of the hang-ups we have about Zero. being an yeah. elderly thing. It's just like, okay, this body feels like this. It's a bit knackered. I'll work with it. And she just works with it. Mm. She can only move at a certain speed. She can only like jump so high. She knows what she likes and she asks for it, you know? Um, and yeah. that's it. There's none of, there's just no judgment at all. So yeah, let me just try and get her one second. Uh, yeah, it's funny. Yeah, Eckhart Tolle uh, once said, I've known many Zen masters, all of them cats. Uh, um, and <laughs> um, my, my own cat is exactly oh, like really? that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the yeah. Planet. so um, where were we? Yeah, talking about, oh, human yeah, you manifestation, know, maybe. That's right. Yeah, the the imminent manifestation that it, it, there's it's so easy to to try to use spirituality and insight as an escape from the inevitable stuff that you and I are pointing at. Like Simon had a very hard week. Oh, well, Simon shouldn't have a hard week. He's doing 20 years of Buddhism. He has a Sangha. He's so expressive and direct and clear and realized. Why the hell is he fucking suffering like a human or having this pain? You know, maybe it's not suffering, but it's definitely yeah. pain. Well, he should be able to avoid that. And there's this idea of then putting Simon on the pedestal that this should be this way and enlightenment is this kind of thing. And it's actually not, it's coming full circle and sitting in this fully and yeah i mean beautiful exactly exactly that and it's interesting because you know i see a, i see a lot of videos i hear a lot of people talk about no self you know you've probably heard a lot about no right self. oh yeah yeah and and it's a beautiful realization actually to recognize that there's no self apart not just to recognize but to see fully that there's not even an I am sense, you know, that I am sense That's right. drops away completely. And you, it's really interesting watching people that have been, you know, been there and they're in the kind of, it's like a third honeymoon period almost where they're, where yeah. they're kind of like see them walking around as emptiness, you know, and, and talking about the, the lack of self and that everything's perfectly playing out. And, and that's true. And then their parents die and then their wife gets yeah. cancer, for instance, or, yeah. 
you know, yeah. or they meet someone on the street who's homeless and disease-ridden and they're begging you for help. It's like, okay, well, what does no self do with that? You know, because that is really happening. <laughs> like, they these, yeah. and it also really hurts. If you witness, you know, the pain and suffering of your loved one when they're going through a terminal illness, that's really painful for you as someone who loves them. The beauty of there being not a self means that you can share that suffering with an open heart and connect to them with unconditional love, expecting nothing, not needing to find safety at all uh, in that situation or withdraw and find safety. You can just be with them in presence fully and feel the heartache feel the sadness, feel the love, feel the joy. You know, all of that is available. But it's not this, yeah, I mean, it's human. It's just really rich and gritty and juicy and very, very human. And uh, at uh. the same time, it's absolutely nothing at all. It's like, well... Yes. But wait... Zero. Like, Wait a minute. That doesn't make any sense. It's like, no, it doesn't make any sense. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't make any sense at all. But and that's the beauty of that's the beauty of existence. It's like who told you that existence needed to make sense? Existence just kind of like Hicks. laughs and says, What? What are you want about? It doesn't make sense. What's making sense? Yeah. <laughs> what what, yeah, even, what yeah. even is it's that? like it goes. <laughs> What, what even is that? What is that? It's, it goes back to your inquiry. What if you were never right again in your entire yeah, life? Yeah. Like, what, 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 what is that? You know, this idea, this, it's beautifully expressed, the idea of no self apart. So this is a deep energetic dissolution of the last, and Angela will say the difference between some realization of no self and that last 0.1% is actually exponential. It's exponential. So let's say that's gone and it's just, everything is just happening, complete emptiness. And yet here you are as a human, here's the human showing up, fully feeling everything, one giant sense organ of presence. So you're with someone who's suffering, you're, the, the pain is right there, but there's no separate self that holds it as a burden that sticks to it that needs the validation or the safety instead it's pure unconditional acceptance of what is with no nothing to resist it even the resistance is accepted so again that's that's the when people say well why why would i want this well first of all from the mind standpoint it's not wantable because the mind <laughs> wants to control and it, there's no control <laughs> the mind wants a view and there's no viewpoint that's correct there's just just this just life but it's but it's um, so beautiful like the the depth the depth of feeling mm. and the depth of connection the depth of presence i was i had the, this exact experience today you know like i said i've had a difficult week there's been a lot of deep painful emotion that's just being felt that's mm. for whatever reason you know, the, the conditions have been right for that deep energetic thing to be unlocked a little bit and the feelings have, have been brought into consciousness. Mm. And then I was walking and seeing all the beautiful trees. It's like, I love this time of year, autumn, in the, like in the Northern Hemisphere, is just like orange and yellow jewels, fractal jewels sticking out of the ground everywhere. It's like, what is going on? It's just super trippy and mm. beautiful. 
And I was just thinking, isn't it, isn't it incredible? Not even thinking, feeling the the depth of presence is infinite. It's not mm. like it, it never gets old, and the depth of feeling is infinite as well. I can just feel into it more and more and more because the allowing nature of existence is also infinite. It's unconditional allowing love. So it's like, okay, what have you got? Do you really, really, really want to come and meet me here in unconditional allowing? Because I'll allow you unconditionally. Like that, and it's like, okay, mm. well, a bit more. It's like, yeah, come on, keep coming, keep coming. And mm. it's, yeah, it's mm. beautiful. But also, yeah, it, it involves um, meeting sadness in a way that you've never, never met it before. Uh you know, meeting heartache in a way that you've never met it before and loving, you know, and connection and, and laughing and feeling joy in a way that you never thought was possible. I can remember a time in my life where, you know, before I was able to access a lot of this, the, the emotion body and a lot of the post-traumatic stress uh, conditioning, it was just a slab of very thin bandwidth anxiety. That's as deep as I could go. It wasn't, and I didn't know that. I was just stuck in it. It was just this this um, thicket, almost. A very shallow experience, but very painful experience. But not the pain and depth of emotion. Oh, no. It was just like spiky, ah, 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 anxious, anxious all of the time. And it felt like mm. this monochromatic life. This life that was just... Not rich, not deep, but and very troublesome. That's not the case now. Mm. Life is very rich and very deep and often heartbreaking. <laughs> but also, mm. like, yeah. Well, I mean, I don't need to say any more, <sighs> really. But yeah, so having <sighs> a rich, deep, connected life beats shallow, monochromatic, spiky, anxiety-ridden half-existence hands hands down you know so i'll take it you know if it's going to be meeting the the sadness of my own suffering you know previously or the sadness of somebody else's suffering full on i'll take that any day of the week over what was before oh my god ah oh, i'm just here for the ride <laughs> simon that was <laughs> I love it. I love it. I love it because it's true. It, it's, it resonates right in this experience. And I can actually tell you, when you talk about this narrow bandwidth anxious life, uh, this energetic contraction that happens because all the energetics in the body are locked in knots of indescribable complexity. So what lives upstairs is a thought-bound, mind-identified, energetically contracted noose that's tightening day by day by day. And that's what it felt like through medical school. That's what it felt like through residency. That's what. And so what would happen with me is I would... Um, I would notice that if I started to feel emotion, really feel it, I could feel like under the under the tip of the iceberg was this mass of, oh my God, I don't want to go there. And if I let a little bit of it out and started to say cry that something was bad or something was going on, it would, the resulting rebound contraction would feel like severe, inconsolable depression. 
And so I even, my mind auto conditioned to avoid feeling that because the rebound would be depression. Uh, and, and so now, so as that starts to unwind and people will say, well, how do you do that? Well, that, that's the whole journey we're talking about, you know, insight, all the work with the body and with working with others, looking at trauma, feeling everything. It, it's, it's, it's beyond me just putting it in a sentence. The, now what it is, is like you said, like this week for me, it's funny. I think almost think we're like, you know, <laughs> we're synchronizing a bit. We're, we are quantum, yeah. our hearts are quantumly entangled. Quantumly entangled. <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> That's it. You know, if, if men could have menstrual periods, they would be synchronized right now. Okay. That's exactly yeah, yeah, yeah. how it would be. Yeah. See, I always go to the medical. The, the, um, the, for me, this week has been feeling these tremendous, emotional emotional um, energies that that are living in the body so they're living in the chest and in the stomach and and it's right and it's this feeling of okay I'm gonna actually surrender this is gonna be allowed fully unconditionally and lovingly and then it feels like to the residual sense of self that's there this is unbearable how can I bear this and then when that relaxes and is seen through then it's like <gasps> it's infinitely what it is, like you said, presence goes so infinitely deep that there's a delicious kind of a beauty, even to the horrors of collective human trauma that you can feel in the body. And, and, and you, and, and okay, now contrast that to 10, 15 years ago, when that would have been so abhorrent, I would have been depressed for two weeks afterwards. Now it's like, okay, the next day I'm talking to Simon, the next day I'm, I'm laughing uncontrollably looking at the fall leaves. And um, it's this lightness of a full-on, 100% unadulterated life yeah, showing up. And, not, yeah. <laughs> and then you ask the question, I asked Simon, Simon asked Zubin, would you give, would you turn back? Absolutely, fucking not. I don't even know what. Not for anything. What is I turning back? What is that? What is that? Yeah. Yeah. It's so interesting though, isn't it? All of this, like, you know, um, as you're talking, all of these things are arising in me as well. And. I can really relate to it. And like, so uh, Wednesday, often for me, uh, there's a, a real physical, I mean, I've got some physical chronic pain issues. Um, it's kind of fibromyalgia mm. basically, but it's definitely born from mm. this lifetime of holding in, not consciously, but holding in and growing around unfelt, unresolved trauma. So actually, my over the last four years, five years, my body has changed shape completely. And what I mean by changed shape is in, I don't mean through workouts or whatever, but through the somatic work and, you know, um, a lot of physio and things like that, my posture's changed a lot. And it's still not where it should be, but I was crooked, you know, like the way my body mm. grew around the pain. I remember standing up once doing... I was doing some kind of like gentle stretch into some nice music, you know, just to the beginning of the, the somatic movement journey, you could say that I was on. And my, mm. you could say my hips, you know, like the, uh, the crotch, not to make you imagine my crotch too much, but my crotch part of my hip. <laughs> you don't have to make me, okay. bro. I oh, just yeah. imagine I mean, it. It's okay, just what I do. Cool. Yeah. So imagine that, that, was at 45 <laughs> degrees to my sternum and that was at rest wow. stood up 
And I wow. looked down and I thought, wow. what the fuck is going on? Like, my body yeah. is wildly misshapen. Like, one shoulder was higher than another and bent over and, and crooked in. I couldn't really turn my head, especially left, more than maybe 20 degrees. Just so much pain, mm. so much solid mass all around the body. Mm. Anyway. Uh, so I've been working with this for a long time, um, and a lot of it's freed up. You know, a lot there's a lot more looseness and freedom in the body, but the, my body feels a lot of pain uh, at points. Mm. So then, is this? And, and I know people maybe listening to this might have had a similar experience. If they've had a traumatized body, then the body will hurt often sometimes this journey of moving mm. through trauma is as simple as feeling the physical pain for a long time just being with it with tenderness and it's often bound with emotion but sometimes in the first instance for me often in fact in the first instance the emotion is nowhere to be felt it's just there is excruciating pain in your shoulder that's it there's three hours of that mm. Just be with that. And what's even more difficult is then knowing, especially post-awakening, where could I possibly go? I can't get out of it. Like, yeah. There's nowhere to go. Like I can't even, I can't imagine it away yeah. anymore. Like I can't. There's no recess. Yeah, you can't no escape into thought in the story. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, so you just go there. And this is actually learning the language of love, actually, because that's what the pain is inviting you. It's inviting you to meet it with awareness. And the awareness of being is love. At least in my experience, the awareness of being without any caveats, without any expectations, just meeting uh, whatever the being is at the moment, be it pain or be it joy, meeting that fully is love. So it's kind of like a, a it's felt like a process of learning to love not just with the heart and the mind, but with my body, actually learning how to love with the body, um, the the difficult parts. Oh, uh, I oh. mean, the reason I mentioned this. Well, what a oh, sorry, I was going to say the reason I mentioned it is because actually that's often a precursor now to a lot of emotional pain. I'll feel the body contract very. Um, ah. So I'll feel like a knot in my shoulder just crop up, like a fibromyalgia kind of like real flex, you know, like a nervous system flex, let's say, or a clinch. Mm. And and I and I know that actually there's more, there's always more to it than that. So then over time, I can't do anything with it other than just invite myself gently to go there when it's ready, to allow that to be. And then often that will come to fruition in a deep felt emotional sense uh, later on, often with maybe a day of solid crying or something like that, you know. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. All of that's kind of out of my control. I don't control the schedule. I can't, I can't. That's not how it works. All I can do is just open with availability to what's here and trust that the the body can heal in that way and it and it can move in that way um but i've not done this alone i've not got these skills uh just through improvisation you know i've worked with people and learned a lot over the time to help me 
you know. Man, you know, when you talk about this, there's so many people in my audience that suffer with chronic fatigue, fibromyalgia, these sort, and they're all, and, and every single one of them will tell you a story of trauma. Um, every single one. And then physicians are like, we don't know what causes fibromyalgia. It's like, uh, I think it's we do in, a, in this sense. Yeah. It fails. Fails 100%. So you throw opioids at it, you throw different mm -hmm. neuro, neuro um, modifying agents at it. And that's all fine. That's all fine. But what what is not understood is that the body is a, like a condensed energy field. It, it It's all energy, ultimately. I mean, Einstein said this. This is not, this is not metaphysics. This is just a fact. And that energetic, like like you said, it's telling you, okay, here's a contraction. Next thing you know, you're feeling energy in motion, emotion show up. And you're, yeah, I, I first heard Angelo say that at a retreat, nice, the first yeah. retreat I ever went to. And he said, emotion is energy in motion. And it felt so correct. I was like, that's what it is. And so what is energy when it's not in motion? It's contraction it's it's muscle spasm it's pain in the neck in the back in the chest so once that starts to loosen and move there's the energy in motion emotion and so how does that how is that accomplished well ultimately you know this is where all that all that stuff that you're talking about comes in moving this energy in the body reconnecting and not avoiding loosening these knots that happen and just allowing it with love. That's the key thing is this love component. Like, because, because again, to, I always bring it back to my own experience because that's all I know. When, when I would avoid these strong emotions, it was because they felt consequential. Like they would have a negative effect ultimately on my well being. Uh, yeah. That's how the mind put yeah. it together. Like I can't possibly and now can't. it's, it's too much. Yeah. That's right. It's too much and it will hurt me in some way. Like I will be at risk. And and that was borne out because in the mind identified state, when I would allow even a little glimpse of it, it would feel so bad that it would put me in a mood for you know a month. And so now the opposite intuition is there, the trust, the knowing that, okay, uh, body's telling me this thing, which means I gotta listen to body. I gotta put awareness in the body. I gotta allow the body into the field of knowing. Okay, it's telling me something's up. I'm gonna sit with this and, oh God, oh, it's a lot. It's a lot. This is story. Okay, that's, okay. All right, now what? Oh my yeah. God. It's almost like, you know, it's 2001. My God, it's full of stars or whatever you did. It's just this pure energetic field of, um, wow. And on the other end of that is a lot of emotional release and a lot of crying. And, and if you have people that you can trust with that, like now, like yesterday night, it was the same thing, Simon, like I was feeling the body was like, I was like, something's up. And, and, and this is the thing, you know, that withdrawal that you pointed out earlier with a, with a loved one where, well, now my wife is onto this really attuned to it. And, and she'll say things like, yeah, so seems to me like you're, going through something like you're a little withdrawn. Like she'll just point it out point blank. Like, my God, that was unheard of uh, even months ago because you'd be like, why would you Why would you want to dredge anything like that? I'll just let it be, it'll get better. Now it's like, what's going on? And I'll be like, oh, it'll just come up. I'll, I'll, you know, I'm just feeling a lot of weird contraction and emotion and I'm frustrated and it has nothing to do with you or anyone. It's just frustration. And so yesterday I was feeling this kind of contraction and I told her, you know, it'd be great if you could, um, uh, do that thing where you move energy around on me. And so she's like, sure. So she jumps up, I lay flat on bed and she's just sitting there and doing this thing where she moves energy in the body by moving fingers around. And oh my God, it is, 
you, it's indescribable the energetics that show up when you allow that kind of vulnerability, like the openness to someone touching yeah. in that way. And um, and then, so then this morning, the whole body feels like it's lit up like a like an energy field. And I'm sitting in meditation. It's not even meditation anymore. It's just sitting with this. And it's like, oh, wow. Like if I could put this in words, if I could have someone else feel what this is, they would seek it. Uh, they would grasp for it because it's like a bliss state. And I know it's transient, but I'm just gonna fully immerse in it. And it's kind of like that. The energetics of the body are are just beautiful and and terrifying and stunning and uh, and we avoid them conditionally because we're so conditioned to do it. That's the beauty of life, isn't it? That actually, um, because it's un you know, this reality, because it's not fixed and it's not bound at all anywhere, in any way, it can manifest in us and in everything else however it wants including from going from one moment being the suffering heartbroken uh you know child of a man who's revisiting his you know early childhood to the next moment sometimes a complete 180 you know like it's yes the the way in which this reality manifests it's not for us to know actually i mean it is for us to know as in we can be the knowing of it we are the knowing of it but there's no why we don't get to know why but we do get to be it if we're able to trust um but it takes a while you know and a lot of the things that you're talking about like let's say having someone to communicate to a close loved one openly or having someone to maybe lay hands on and just like gently massage and gentle touch. A lot of people don't have that. So mm. it's for, often it's about starting small with little things that can help. Um, and I think one of the things that I notice is quite paradoxical in the, let's say in the awakening circles you know, awakening circles. I don't even know what that means. Is that a thing? Awakening circles? Yeah, yeah. yeah. We're in the circles of awakening. <laughs> we yeah. got it. We got us in the circles of awakening. Yeah. You shall exactly. not pass. Yeah. So if you're one of right. the, if you've got a badge, you know, and you've been, uh, yeah, security clearance. Um, nonsense, <laughs> isn't it? Yeah. But no, I guess what I'm saying is, yeah. Um, <laughs> I've made myself. <laughs> I've made it, 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 it's funny it's, so, it, it just <laughs> it'll just make you laugh because it's so absurd like this idea that there are enlightened yeah, no, beings is is yeah um, yeah <laughs> but yeah in awakening circles it's not really spoken about how to um just kind of reach out and, and build very slowly um and very consciously simple tools um so looking for um and often what i was going to say as well when people talk about awakening so angelo delillo is a great example adyashanti is a great example uh most people that are pretty realized will say it's not about knowledge it's not about knowledge it and it isn't awakening's got nothing to do with knowledge it's not in the realm of knowing things however knowing about trauma can really help you <laughs> like it, and that's mm. where it becomes a bit paradoxical is that you can wake up and see through del, the, you know, the delusion of always attaching to concepts. However, 
knowing about the mechanisms of the nervous system if you're someone who suffered with trauma and knowing how to treat and work with those systems you know is really really fruitful so don't be too shy or too afraid of getting a bit of knowledge about your nervous system trauma and what's happened to you you know and also how to for instance down regulate the nervous system how to stop your sympathetic nervous system going off the chart making you feel like you're in mortal danger all the time learn simple techniques that can help you to just slow that down and and get you out of the immediate sense of danger there you know there's this clear evidence and knowledge out there that can really help so i would definitely recommend the book for anyone who's reading it and everyone's probably heard of it the body keeps score um by yes. a dutch author a dutch sounding author who i can always forget his name he's got like four names so <laughs> i am sorry but the body keeps a score if you're someone who's uh, experienced trauma symptoms and you've never really known what's going on and you want someone to really just kind of speak your truth from a physiological level you know and just how the body works that's beautiful um i would also recommend um Peter Levine's work. So he's one of the leading practitioners and founders of somatic somatic experience in practice. So Peter Levine is mm. a wonderful teacher and he's really measured in the way that he talks about working with trauma. He talks about titration quite a lot, which obviously a term you'll be really familiar with from a pharmaceutical point of view. Mm. But he talks about titrating your exposure to the symptoms of trauma uh, with love and acceptance as opposed to just going straight in with i'm going to accept it all i'm going to love it all well actually often that's mm. not helpful that re-triggers trauma you'll just shut yeah, down yeah you just shut down you yeah, re-trigger re and you just end up uh, in panic body on fire reliving traumatic events so peter levine's wonderful as well mm. and i found a, a woman recently online uh called irene lyon um her videos, I've only watched probably about seven or eight of them, but they're gold. They are absolutely brilliant. So if you are listening and- mm. How do you spell her? How do you spell her last name? I think, like Leon. I, Irene Lyon. And we can put, okay. it, you know, put it in some- yeah. We'll yeah, put it in the links. Yeah, we'll put because I, I, it's so funny. You're just like reading my mind. I was going to say, give me, give us some practical resources, yeah. and then you I mean, already those, have those are great. Yeah, I think one of the practical things, you know, we can do a practical thing right now. Me and you, let's give it a go. Are, are you're on hands Perfect. free, aren't you? Still, yeah, I am indeed. So imagine you don't even have to imagine. Feel into whether there's a sense of uh, panic, not deep panic, but you know, like that that trauma-related nervous system juddering, yeah? You'd have to trigger it. You'd have to go there. Mm. But just recognize when it's there. Now, with your right hand, put your right hand underneath your left armpit and just let your right hand mm. fold around your, your left breast, you know, like over the heart. And with your left mm. hand, move it over your body and just gently grab and squeeze your right shoulder. And then breathe in, one big deep breath into the belly and breathe out and sink into that gentle squeeze. 
and just do that for five minutes. And just hold yourself and give yourself a warm, connected container for what's, what you're going through and feel your hand on your heart, just a, an allowing, loving touch. And that's it. It's so easy, so simple. But this is the kind of touch we will not have got as a child. This is the kind of connection we will not have given ourselves in early adult life. We will have avoided this kind of simple, loving presence for most of our lives, yet these simple things, these acts of generosity and connection from ourselves to ourselves, this is the stuff that changes the narrative and opens the heart. Um, I can't take credit for that either. Oh. Peter Levine. So Peter Levine, just he often gives mm. like little, little tidbits of information of how to regulate the nervous system. But they're very, very simple, but especially in times of crisis and trauma triggering, things like this can go a long, long way. Just bring you down into a more manageable state. Oh, I just want to do this all <laughs> Are you day. still hugging yourself? Mm. It, yeah, it's nice. Yeah, it? really, yeah, it makes yeah, you, it's, good. It's, it's like, it, it almost makes you want to oh, cry because it's such yeah. a, you're being held and and you know it's funny i it's funny that you use that example i spontaneously discovered this exact sort of posture um when i feel a lot of that triggering i'll just do that like it's kind of self holding and um it's it's so effective because it is it's a it's a physiologic response there's a deep energetic emotional response and there's a stillness surrounding all of it that yeah, that's always there. And, and, uh, yeah, it's just, that's, that's a be I, I love that so much, Simon, because there's, I tell you, you know, I've, I've been on this journey of talking about things like chronic pain, even did an episode on fibromyalgia. I've spoken with pain psychologists on my show and it's all wonderful, but there's this aspect of it that it, it, it's just so central to it. And it's so frightening for people because they're so conditioned to avoid and fear. And like you said, the way your body was bent, physically twisted into knots. And I still feel yeah. kind of it now. So it's kind of um, like, in a way you could call it, if you wanted to be new age about it, you could say, well, Kundalini energy realigned my body. Or you could just right. say a natural rebalancing happened. But... But, yep. you know, the more I was uh, awoke to presence and connection, the more naturally life knew to change the way that I stood and walked. But some of the, you know, some of that um, postural damage, it's, it, I, all I can do is manage it now. I can't get out of it. You know, mm. I've had a, an operation, mm. um, small operation, but that, that was uh, due to an imbalance and, um, certain things the way i hold my body all i can do is encourage the body to be balanced and connected and open you know and upright um but actually it's yeah it's just an ongoing practice uh every day spending time engaged in movement and opening and stretching to just keep encouraging my body to move in a different way um but but it, mm. it can be sometimes really really painful. 
But yeah, and I guess one of the things that comes across or wants to come out of my heart in moments like this is for anybody who, including you, Zubin, I know we've had this conversation, just me and you, but anyone who's had that early conditioning by trauma, I know how you feel. I know it hurts. I'm really sorry you've had to go through that. And you're not alone. You're not alone. And people need to hear that because certainly that shame aspect of it, you feel like, you know, you are the most broken, most uh, outlier person that, you know, and if anybody saw that aspect of you, you'd be excommunicated, kicked out of society forever, you know. But actually, a lot of people are dealing with this and you're not alone. Hmm. You know, Simon, you are, are just... The, the part of the reason I was drawn, even, yeah, gosh, I'll probably tell this in the introduction, <laughs> but the way the way that you emailed me, it just it radiates this kind of feeling of holding others as if they're you in this unconditional embrace, and that's what you're expressing is like, listen, yes, you're not alone. This is this is universal in many ways, and you're not you're not broken any more than I'm broken. It's all this and I accept you and, and it's just, it's a beautiful way of being. And again, I think that naturally shows up when you do this work yourself, when you're less able to defend against all of that. You know, and, and I think that that might be a good way to talk a little bit about, because I'm sure people are curious by now because I, I haven't said anything about what you do and, and you know, your, your story. Can you say a little bit about, maybe about what you did and what you do now for work? Because I think it's so, yeah, so relevant so like, to this. Yeah. I kind of fell into a career really without much thought, you know, as a young man, I was just kind of, I was just interested in getting fucked up, basically. I know it might sound a bit crude, but really mm. that was what I was into because, and I didn't see it mm. at the time, but actually I'd had a, you know, there was a lot of pain in my unrealized pain. And suddenly as a young adult, there's freedom. So it's like, right, okay, let's go and live life. So work was incidental, really. It's just something to put money on the table so I could go out, you know, and and mm. basically self-medicate really is what i was doing mm. mostly uh, alcohol no no not just alcohol quite a lot of amphetamines i was really into amphetamines as well yeah mm. so i had like a pretty yeah, decent yeah. drug dependency um uh, yeah which the, the thing is at the time at the beginning it probably wasn't that it was just having fun you know but it becomes that once after five years mm. still it wasn't just experimentation at that point after five years and it's still going strong, it's like, actually, this has become a lifestyle and it's not a balanced mm. one. It's not one that's connected. But I didn't see that. I Yeah, it was, it was very difficult to see that that's what was going on. Of course. Um, yeah. So work at the time, I just got whatever I could and I worked in financial services for quite a long time. Um, I would more on the human side, so I'd work in complaints and negotiating claims mm. with people so actually it it came really useful because i'd still found the like the dharma or i'd i'd say the dharma other people would call it spirituality or awakening but because i was 
a Buddhist at the time, and well, still am, I guess, in some respects, but it was the Dharma that I found, you know, the Buddha's teachings. Um, so I was still practicing that, but whilst living this kind of contradictory life of escapism. Um, but actually, mm. there was a lot to work with whilst dealing with angry, angry people over the phone. Like, there was a lot of angry people. Mm. So learning how to watch my own internal states and reactivity when people were just screaming blue murder at you, you know, like, or just uh, really disagreeing with you. Um, so, I mean, the reason I mentioned that, because that's kind of the best thing I got out of it. But really, it was being mired in, um, yeah, in a career that was driven by greed. Not my greed for money, because I didn't get much. But the industry, the bottom line, is the bottom line. It's money, profit. In fact, strip the human out of it, ideally, and they'd be more profitable. It's like the human becomes an inconvenience almost. But we need humans to make the money. Mm. So I was working in insurance quite a lot, you know. Um, I mean, the people I worked with were nice enough, but the environment was just brutal. Uh, especially... Mm for a heart that wants to feel deeply. I couldn't help but mm. feel all this greed-based pain, you know, and all this meritocracy and, yeah. you know, stepping over each other, this lack of humanity. Anyway, m multiple decades of that, or at least one and a bit decades of that. And could, once I then, let's say, moved away from this self-medication, drug-taking part of my life into more seriously trying to heal and, and meet what was going on in my own life, you know, and work with my anxiety and really dig deep into my uh, contemplative practice, my Buddhist practice or insight practice, awakening journey, whatever you want to call it. Once I started getting really serious about that, <clears throat> it became really apparent that I can't do this job anymore. I just can't do it. Like it's mm. so out of alignment with everything that my heart wants to align with, you know, naturally. And I remember in the last year mm. or so before I left that career, and it's interesting, you know, it kind of maybe taps into some of the things we've discussed earlier. The reason I stayed in the career so long was it gave the illusion of security. And also I thought I couldn't do anything oh, better. Yeah. I couldn't possibly be the guy who did something charitable or helped people. I'm just a just a, a phone monkey, you know, like get me on the phones, chat to people, help people make money. That's that's what I'm worth, you know. Um mm. so that was it became apparent though in the last year or two that I had to change. And yeah, in especially in the last job before I quit, uh, it was painful. It was really, I was feeling it like daggers in the heart of some of the interactions I was having mm. with customers and people in the organization. It was just like, oh my God, I, like, this is so deeply painful because I've been through multiple awakenings, you could call it at that point. So I just couldn't convince myself that this was okay anymore. <laughs> it's just... Yeah, really, mm. really difficult. Anyway, um, so I stopped and I took some time off uh, to just realign. And what was really fascinating 
was in that months that I didn't do anything. It was like four months where I kind of backed off before I started looking for work again. It's like I felt the poison of the conditioning from a lifetime of that kind of work leaving my system. Like the constant threat mm. of secure of lack of security, which was promoted by the management, the staff. It's like there was always an unspoken and often spoken feeling of you should be grateful you've got a job and you better, you know, book your ideas up or else we'll take it off you. You know, you never felt any security, mm. real job security, just this constant sense of threat and that you were always on the brink of being in trouble or you were in trouble. And I didn't really, I knew that was mm. going on, but it was only once I completely removed myself from it. I was just like, oh man, this conditioning is reverberating in my system. I'm nowhere near the work. I haven't been for two months and I can just feel that dynamic just like reverberating and luckily dissipating out of my being. It was particularly harmful. I, I think people don't necessarily recognize or realize the effect that that kind of environment can have on, on their well-being. I, I, I have to interject here because you telling the story, like I feel it for on behalf of every healthcare professional in my audience who feels this, who has been forced through, it's like morally injurious. You, you, you're, you're, it's exactly that. It's that energetic of greed and raw materials in an engine where this is actually a human enterprise, a human enterprise and you know it. And this idea that you stepped away for this period and felt it, 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 the same thing happened to me when I stepped away from Stanford and I went to Las Vegas and I had an open slate. It was like, and that's when I had this first quote unquote awakening. Ethical, I ethical was like, oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. I, 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 oh my, what is this? It feels like this toxicity is seeping away uh, to be replaced with a different type of journey, but still. And so, okay, I just wanted to make a point because I know that a lot of nurses in particular are listening right now and they're resonating with that because, it, and they'll, they'll ask me, should I quit? What should I do? What should I do? So, so t please continue with the, with the well, story. I mean, I guess yeah. there's no answer to what you should do other than feel your heart and recognize what your heart's desire is really. And if, if, if the pain becomes mm. unbearable, put yourself first and make and make a change you and, and that was the other thing is convincing myself on a deep level i didn't have to do anything it was my choice mm. and i'm privileged in that way i am privileged that i could make a change i've got like i said a loving support network that could support me whilst i made the change but i don't have to do this anymore i can stop it it was only fear that stopped me from leaving so anyway things started dying down and uh, I was lucky to get, um, yeah, I was lucky to get a contact through my partner of someone who works as an independent mental health advocate in a forensic mental health ward or hospital in the UK. I'm going to keep it kind of a bit vague. I really want to respect people's privacy and, you know. Yes. But so this was kind of like the opposite end of the scale. So it's going from a life of corporate hell, let's call it that, corporate hell, to working on a ward 
with patients that have been sectioned under the Mental Health Act because they've committed a crime and they've been suffering from deep uh, mental health issues, often psychosis, and they've been sectioned. I don't know if it works the same in the States, but what it means is they've been incarcerated, they've been taken out of society, and it, they've, it, they've been placed mm. into a secure mental health ward, which is mm. uh, like I've never been anywhere like it. You know, I'd never, I'd never experienced that ever in my life. It's it's completely the opposite mm. end of the scale. So then, uh, yeah, my manager, who's now my manager, uh, basically said at the time, "Do you want to come and do you want to come and shadow me on the ward and see what I do and see how we work and wh- how we can help patients uh, and help them to be represented and heard?" I was like, "Okay, let's give it a go." So I went there and talk about shell shock. It was, you know, having never experienced that in my life. And also having a nervous system condition, like it was pretty intense. Um, and he worked on uh, high acuity wards, so people presenting mm. with really acute symptoms. So that was my first experience of it. And uh, yeah, I didn't know what to make of it at first. I just drank it all in. And then I said to him, right, let me have the weekend. Let me just sit with it. And the more I sat with it, the more I realized this is it. This is, this is exactly what the heart's been yearning to, to be able to meet real humanity and deep suffering with an open heart and a view to help. That's what, that's everything that my heart wanted. So now I work and I'm really, really grateful to work as an independent mental health advocate, advocating for the rights, the views, the well, the well-being, you know, with regards to access to services um, of patients in a secure forensic mental health hospital, um, and these are, if you think about it as well, these are people that have been pretty much removed from society, not just by the Ministry of Justice and the Mental Health Act, but in a cultural way as well. They are, they're the outskirts. They're like if you ask anybody what somebody thought of someone who was there, you know, the general public would just immediately, well, it would be disparaging, wouldn't it? You know? Mm -hmm. Um, So actually the people that are on the outside of society and they're, they're deeply suffering. So it's a chance for me to just be present, listen and, uh, help them to be heard and help with my actions and presence in any way that I can. Oh, I, you know, I was struck when you were telling the story that this, it's so clearly hmm. that this is a manifestation of your heart's desire and your whole life has been leading to this. Like all the work on the phones and corporate, you feeling that energy, talking to people who are suffering because their suffering shows up as anger, as defensiveness, as, and then your own suffering, your own journey, your own trauma, your own tr- Buddhist uh, practice, and then post-Buddhist practice and post-post-Buddhist practice, all of it <laughs> yeah, leads yeah. now, yeah. leads to this, um, yeah. advocating for the people who we have written off. Exactly. We're afraid written of. Off is the right yeah. word, yeah. Yeah, and, yeah. Yeah, like it is challenging. It is challenging. There is a risk. Oh, yeah. The risk is yeah. real. 
you know so mm. actually that's one of the things that i've had to work with how do i manage myself in a healthy way you know especially like, mm. as i mentioned going through these experiences of deep existential trauma-based fear mm. where there's a real risk and with people that are uh, often like not just deeply suffering as in a cognitive sense they're deeply suffering as in 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 worlds of paranoia and delusion and psychosis mm, like mm. being in that environment i mean talk about you know what i was saying before actually um it's life really at a certain stage on this journey of awakening it's life that does all the work it's life really that that continues to deepen the awakening and open continue to open the heart and this is it i mean talk about humbling because it would have been, I can imagine that maybe eight months ago, nine months ago, I could have, I could have felt like, actually, there's not much left, you know, other than the job, like the old job, it's not much left conditioning wise to really dig into and work through because, you know, I'm, well, I'm not going to it in too much detail, but certainly the I am sense had dropped away quite a while back, you know, so it felt like, well, actually, what, what else is there? It's like, oh, life, life will show you. <laughs> life is like, I'll <laughs> show you what there is. You go mm -hmm. here and be in this environment with these people and see how that goes and see if mm -hmm. you can keep an open, available heart to everyone there all of the time. And it's like, mm -hmm. oh, wow. Okay. This is, yeah. Well, it's beautiful. It's beautiful. It's the kind of practice gold that i couldn't have got anywhere else really mm -hmm. um mm -hmm. yeah so i'm deeply grateful for the opportunity actually yeah really really ah, it's uh, so beautiful this story and and you know it, it's interesting i was thinking as you're saying this to hear you talk how you express how you transmit this loving understanding um many times if if i watch really good teachers too on YouTube or go to a retreat or whatever, you can feel some of that, but really there's a sense almost that there's an alien presence. Mm. Like um, either it's intentionally subconsciously contrived by the teacher or they're just that empty and they're not, you know, there's something in that that doesn't transmit. With you, it's like, oh my God, you know that you can feel the emptiness there. And then also just the, the love. And then also the continued unfolding. Like you said, you think it's done and then here's this and here's, and it, I don't think that ever stops. It, won't. it just it, keeps going. Yeah. How could stop? it? How, How could, could it? it? Yeah. You've got, you've got all of life to live from an awakened heart. So, Holy smokes. And, and, and that means you will, there will, there will always be people suffering. There will always benefit from your presence and availability. That's, mm. you know, so the, the real path then is, how do I, uh, and I say, how do I, there's no me doing it, but it's just having the sensitivity to when the heart flinches in life and having the courage and not a courage as in like an, a personal courage of a me, but just a, yeah, I mean, courage is probably the right word to just mm. dive into life full on, um, and just being sensitive to it completely. And also what, mm. what happens is as well, certainly my experiences, and, and I know 
the I'm absolutely not this. And yet yeah. this is how we manifest. Yeah. It's, it's difficult to put into words because actually... D- the, divine the paradox. Yeah, the mind doesn't want to hear that. But actually, yeah, it's like the being in the world, but not of the world, you know, uh, yes. kind of thing. But um, yeah, but it, it feels endless. And actually, what else would I rather be doing? Because if you think about... Exactly. Would I rather be in a hut bathing in emptiness all the time, which, you know, I guess is a real possibility. You could do that. Mm. I mean, in Zen, they, they, mm-hmm. they call them stone Buddhas, don't they? Essentially, mm. uh, the Buddhas are just mm. disengaged from life. But right. This is where the fun is. You know, this is where yeah. the creativity and the love and the joy and the pain and the grit and the suffering and the connection, you know, and the art and the music, <laughs> this is where that is. And it can be experienced fully yet not attached to. Um, mm. But it's but it's, a work in, it's always a work in practice. It's a work in progress a, and work, yeah. in, work in practice. You know, so you, you made me think because you and I have similar, um, we have similar, I think I'm feeling into you this the sense of looking for safety, looking for security, the using the intellect and the sense of humor as a, yeah. a kind of a protective mechanism. We're very similar in that way. I think this type of personality that you and I have shows up through awakening the way you're pointing. It, it wants to dive into life. It wants to shake hands and hug people and get angry and be volatile and 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 feel it fully knowing that it's the divine comedy in a way, whereas maybe a different personality type might yeah. be very suited to sitting in that cave and bathing in emptiness. And another might be out to save the world through acts of charity and the other might be out to teach and the other might. So it's just beautiful, the diversity of human expression and nothing is like you nothing is like me nothing is like the, the person listening it's just a pure expression of uniqueness um i love it oh simon this was such a joy such a joy and we've only touched the surface exactly. so yeah, i'm hoping we, could, we can do it again yeah we could go in different directions couldn't we which would be great but yeah i mean i hope well i hope that's something that my uh maybe re- resonate with some people and, you know, maybe give some people some tools if, if they are going through these difficult traumatic experiences. And even if it's just listening to two friends chat, I mean, that's kind of nice oh. as well, isn't it? So like, yeah, it really, uh, it, it, I, I have to say like between the people in my healthcare audience that suffer in jobs that are killing them slowly <laughs> to the huge history of trauma, particularly in the nursing population, uh, many of them are, are victims of serious trauma to people who are looking for awakening and want the formula and realizing there isn't a formula. These are the people that are in the audience and this is exactly, and I have to say, and I'll say this in the intro, like I felt like talking to you was like, keeping a secret or some or, or or somehow being selfish somehow being selfish cuz when you and I would talk I would feel like this is so helpful for me I feel like I'm withholding it from others by not doing a podcast and this was not your plan or my plan but we said Let, let's just record one of our conversations and see what happens and man I'm so glad we did and I feel really blessed as well I mean only because well there's many many reasons but you know to feel that and we mentioned this before, but to feel that invitation to go anywhere in conversation with another being, that's kind of rare. I don't experience mm. that with any, with 
uh, many people, even awakening kind of people, the circles of awakening, <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, even yeah, even with the paid up members. Um, but <laughs> but yeah, like I get that that sense in you that actually no taboos, nothing's off the table. Let's go, let's see where it goes, and that that uh, well, that's joyful for me. Actually, I feel a lot of joy in my heart when I feel that invitation in you. And it's whatever just happened for the last two hours is the result of that, I guess. Ah, <laughs> uh, it's just, I, I can't, I, it's perfectly said, and I have so much gratitude. So I'll say this for the audience. Um, you know, if you guys like this or you have questions or you want to reach out about this and I can put you, I can at least forward your messages to Simon, um, reach out at hello at zdogmd.com. And, you know, I, I would subscribe to the podcast because we'll do more of these. This is something that I'm passionate about. It's really all I care about these days in the deepest sense is this expression. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, leave a review if you like this. And then what we'll do is we will put links to your the, the various things you mentioned, including how would we reach you or see any so, of your yeah. teachings? So I'm still kind of early in that getting a, an infrastructure sorted. But I I have a YouTube channel called Awake Here and Now. I mean, it's like choose your generic awakening <laughs> awakening handle. AI just spits it out. Like it spits it out. Zubin presence, Zubin presence yeah, non duality, yeah, yeah, exactly. liberation. Know, yes, exactly. Hashtag but, hashtag yeah, non duality. Yeah, yeah, right. Exactly. So it's right. Awake Here and Now. Um, Beautiful. But if you find me, uh, you can find me on Insta. I don't really kind of. I'm not. I'm not great with Insta because I'm old, basically. I'm like, in my 40s, <laughs> Insta's okay. Mm. I'm just not super good at it. But you can DM me on Insta. So it's awake.hereandnow. And then... Awake.hereandnow. Okay. Yeah, so that's the handle, awake, uh, full stop, here and now. And then... Okay. Um, yeah, you can DM me. So if you do want to reach out and get in touch, you know, um, like I said, I work full time and I, I do quite a, a bit of this connecting with, like, uh, close friends and stuff. But if I get the chance to respond, I'd love to. Yeah, yeah. So definitely, yeah, reach out. Oh, it's lovely. Lovely. I can't believe you said you're old and you're in your 40s. I just turned oh, 50, yeah. brother. Yeah, but the thing is, you, you want look old. like, yeah, you look like you live on a Californian beach. You've just got like this kind of perfect skin, always bathed in like beautiful West Coast, like uh, US. Oh, that, oh that, that's... That's all done in Final it's Cut. That's the California. It's the <laughs> California filter. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I really yeah, yeah. actually I look a lot like Yoda in person. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> love it. Oh, cool, man. Right. Well, uh, I'll, see you, I'll see you later. Um, and let's yes. catch up again soon. And uh, yeah, look after yourself. Likewise, brother. Well, until next anybody time. Anybody that's listened, I really appreciate you spending the time. If you've got all this way through, like two and a bit hours. I really appreciate you spending the time with us. So thank you so yeah. much. Likewise, likewise. Hey, it's Dr. Z. Thanks for getting through the whole episode. That's a huge accomplishment. <laughs> and so at this point, I just got to ask you for a few favors because it just helps us so much if you leave a review on your favorite podcast platform and subscribe. It, it just really helps the algorithms to get this message out to others. The second thing is email me, hello at zdogmd.com. I get all these emails personally. I can't respond to them all, but I need to hear your voice because especially on podcast, we don't have a comment section. 
And I want to hear how this episode affected you, what you'd like to hear in the future, what you think we got wrong, what we think we got right, anything, anything, or just say hi. So that's really powerful. And the third thing is financially, it helps us a lot to support the show in any way you can. And if you go to zdogmd.com forward slash supporters, you can join our supporter tribe on your favorite platform, YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, wherever. What that will get you on those platforms is live shows with me that are exclusive for supporters and access to our Zoom meetings where we talk about awakening realization and we share with each other our own experience. It's a powerful group effect. It's a community, really. And we support and love each other and share, again, through our own experience, how we're waking up. So, and that that ripples out into systems, into transforming healthcare and education and government. So it st- really starts with us. So join us there if you can. Again, zdogmd.com forward slash supporters. And I'm so grateful to have you with us.